Hey listeners, it's Brian. Before the show starts, I just wanted to let you know that you can now chat with us, other horror fans, and fans of the show on our Discord server. I had no idea what Discord was until our awesome listener Blake helped us start a Discord server. And it's kind of like a chat room website or app. That's kind of underselling it, but it's a really easy way to chat with people. You've got a nice little group of people going, and we're just chatting about horror movies, movies in general, etc., It's actually a lot of fun, and the Discord app is really slick. It's a lot more conversational than Facebook or Twitter, and it's easier to use, too. So if you want to join, I've got the link posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages, and I'll try to get it up on our website, too. I'm also going to read it out loud right now like a 70-year-old would do. It's https colon forward slash forward slash discord dot gg forward slash h capital f k capital u capital j eight so you can just type that into your browser or just find the link on our social media pages and you'll join our little group so if you really need to talk to somebody about how we felt about today's movie come on over and join us on discord and thanks again to blake for helping us out talk to you later guys Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing Midsommar from 2019, directed and written by Ari Aster, starring Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, and Wilhelm Blomgren. This is a movie about a group of grad students who venture to rural Sweden to witness a Midsommar festival and stumble upon a pagan cult. Uh, and if you're new to the show, we're going to spoil everything about this movie, so a heads up there. Uh, Ashvin, were you as excited about this movie as I was after Hereditary last year? Yeah, I, I want to say like this is maybe the second most anticipated horror film of this year after Us. What, what do you think? Is that a fair assessment? You mean like in general for everyone in the world? <laughs> yeah, I guess in the horror community, like looking at 2019... <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I feel like this is pretty up there, right? I do. I think between this, us, and it, chapter two, it was, yeah. Yeah. I think this was the one I was most looking forward to. Me too, yeah. After I, I think we both like loved Hereditary, which, uh, do you think we're going to spoil Hereditary as well on this one? You know, I don't think so. Um, okay. unless you've got some intentions too. Um, I can avoid it. <laughs> or if we feel the need to do it, we can just give the listeners a warning and they can fast forward 15 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever. Good deal. Earmuffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, interesting to hear you call it uh, Midsommar. Is that how you're supposed to say it? Apparently, man. I, I listened to a couple of Ari Aster interviews and that's how it was being said. So otherwise uh, I was going to pronounce it Midsummer. Yeah, that's how I've been saying it all the time. Cool. I, I like Midsommar. That's pretty neat. Yeah, because it is a mid, I don't even know if it's called a Midsommar Festival or a Midsummer Festival, but I do know that the movie is Midsommar, and it's, they're festivals to commemorate, like, the summer solstice. So apparently it's a Swedish tradition celebrating the summer solstice solstice that often has uh, fertility themes. Yeah, we need some of those out here. I mean, the closest thing we got is, like, Lollapalooza, right? Yeah. (laughs) There are some, like, uh, I saw, like, the Columbus... Swedish society or Scandinavian society or something celebrates Midsommar. Oh, cool. In in Columbus, Ohio? Yep. Nice. Is that is that your Ohio connection? Um, It's not, but maybe it should have been. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I think we've talked in prior episodes. I know we at least did when we discussed Witchfinder General about this subgenre called folk horror. And <laughs> Witchfinder General is one of our least listened to episodes, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's not a surprise. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, what, what are some of the other ones? Like, uh, I mean, obviously, like Wicker Man's the uh, the big one, right? Yeah. So basically, the whole subgenre started or was used to coin a few movies in the seventies, late sixties, early seventies. Um, 
that had a quote from this guy, Mark Gatiss, who hosted a BBC documentary series titled The History of Horror. He is kind of credited with starting this term folk horror, even though I think it was actually originated maybe by the director of one of these films, The Blood on Satan's Claw from 1971. Um, But anyway, the, the three that are kind of pointed to as basically like the backbone of folk horror that are, have become known as the unholy trinity are Witchfinder General from 1968, The Blood on Satan's Claw from 1971, which neither of us has seen, and The Wicker Man from 1973. And apparently they all share an emphasis on landscape, specifically in these movies' case, the British landscape, which isolates communities and individuals, skewing the dominant moral and theological systems enough to cause violence, human sacrifices, torture, and even demonic and supernatural summonings. That's a quote from Adam Scoville from the British Film Institute. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a new combination of elements and that like other films have tried to repeat to some extent over the years. Yeah, and it's interesting because the three of those are very, very similar and a very tiny niche but then, since then, the subgenre tag has kind of been expanded to describe other similar movies, like that vary, like pretty, either they're pretty similar to those or pretty far away. Like The Ritual and Apostle are two recent ones on Netflix mm-hmm. that get that description, and those are pretty pretty similar. Yep. Um, well, the, I, the Witch. I, I, yeah. It's interesting because uh, those two that you mentioned, I mean, at least the two that we saw. There wasn't like anything supernatural with those, uh, but if you talk about like apostle, the ritual, the witch, even potentially, like those are more supernatural elements. So I wonder how that element uh, intersects with folk horror. Yeah, the blood on Satan's claw um, does have some supernatural elements, from what I oh, understand. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. And I even saw the Blair Witch Project referred to. <laughs> I think it's getting a little out of hand because someone on Twitter called, I saw them call the Texas Chainsaw Massacre folk horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems flat out wrong. Yeah, the Southern version of the folk horror. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, a website and a podcast called Nightmare on Film Street. I really respect them, but they did an entire month on folk horror, and I think maybe that contributed a tiny bit to people stretching the definition but i mean all these things are are fluid you know yeah we all collectively kind of shape the english language yeah especially you very creatively (laughs) i try man i try try to push (laughs) the boundaries on it a bit um and it's interesting that this one is folk horror because it sounds like it was uh from the premise supposed to be more of a slasher film and then he took might have taken it in a different different direction from that yeah, and I can't remember. Was that like the premise he was given by a, a production company or something? I think so, yeah. So the, this movie, I think, was produced in some kind of joint relationship between the U.S. and Sweden. I think probably two production companies in different countries. And uh, they wanted a slasher film, and he kind of, uh, yeah, he went more. And, and it's full core, but he also added in like this element of like a breakup. And I think he was inspired by a lot of romance movies and stuff. So, uh, yeah, this is kind of a weird mesh, speaking of like weird alterations to the genre. Yeah, and a quote from him is, this is a breakup movie dressed in the clothes of a folk horror film. Yeah. That um, sounds about right. Yeah, and he's big on melodrama, and he, he admits that fully. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think of Ari Aster? I mean, I think everyone like really respected Hereditary last year when it came out, and it's still like one of those movies that like people are like, ah, oh, yeah, that's like the best horror movie in like, the past few years. Um, and like this being his second film that we're seeing... Um, I mean, like, do you think this guy is like worthy of the the horror title? I mean, so much of his is like heavy drama and yeah, breakup or like uh, family grief and things like that. Um, do you, I mean, yeah, what, what do you think? Is he uh, really a horror director? I do think so, and I think he's very worthy of the acclaim that he's received and the hype around him. But I think he definitely has his flaws. Yeah, which I think we mentioned a bit in Hereditary. At least I did, and I, I will. I will definitely be talking about that in this in our review of this movie. Yeah, and I think similar to Hereditary, 
Uh, this one was also supposed to be like three hours and 45 minutes or so, and they had to like edit it down. Well, it wasn't hereditary also like cut down, and it was still like super long? Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. They did have a super long cut originally with hereditary. And yeah, the first cut of this, three hours and 45 minutes or something, and then yeah. they cut it down to two and a half. I cannot imagine the three hour, 45 minute cut. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God. I don't think I could. I don't like, want to yeah. spoil how I felt about this movie, but it was yeah. long. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think it could have easily, easily been trimmed down further than two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Ari Aster, he just seems like such a, a dark person. I, I just like when I see his movies, I just really worry about him. And I, I just feel <laughs> like he needs like help or something. Because uh, these are like some of the most like disturbing movies, even though like we're in horror and you expect them all to be some level of disturbing. His just like plunge like the like deepest depths of like humanity and, and grief and just makes yeah I I wonder who this guy is and like what what's happened to him that have you have you read about like any of his prior stuff before these two movies? I have back when we did our hereditary episode and I already forget it's all short films I think they are similar family drama and pretty dark yeah. Let me read to you two of the plot synopsises. One's called uh, The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, and it's about a son who sexually abuses and kills his father. Uh, the second one is called Moon Chawson or something, and it's a story about this mother who poisons and kills her son because uh, she doesn't want him to go to college, and that was supposedly inspired by the animated movie Up. Uh, so I, I don't know. Like, he's just on a roll of doing these like really intense, dark family dramas. and uh, Yeah, you don't get worried about him? Yeah, I mean that is distri- <laughs> disturbing. Yeah, especially now that I know those plot summaries. I think it's Munchausen. Oh, Munchausen. Okay. I think that's a syndrome that I think maybe even has something to do with like wanting to be. Oh, I'll, I'll be talking about my ass if I talk about it. But stuff you should know has an episode on it that is my favorite podcast. So, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, he's a dark man. He doesn't seem that way in interviews, and I think he's been asked about that, and it's just like, oh, no, I'm just kind of right like that. Wow. Yeah. No, there's, there's something there. I almost think, like, someone should start a GoFundMe to get that guy some help. Uh, <laughs> it would probably take off. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but this movie's pretty well reviewed. It's got 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. 61% from users and I don't think I think the cinema score was like a C plus hmm Sounds that's about right. when they ask people right after they come out of the movie what do they what do they think about it yeah and what do they think about themselves after watching it <laughs> yeah what does it say about you that you came yeah. here today yeah ah um, the parts are off by the way I like smuggled a beer into this movie and it was the wrong movie to drink anything during <laughs> I was holding in my pee for like the second half of the movie yeah I know <laughs> yeah this wasn't a movie that was like easy to walk away from or to like casually observe it all yeah although I would I would, in hindsight I wish I had yeah probably would have um, been good for mental health <laughs> it's got box office so far of 10.9 million after opening weekend and it was the budget. All, all it says is under ten billion, so that could mean anything. I tend to think that means pretty close to ten million. Mm, yeah, it was yeah. quite a production. I mean, they built this entire little village essentially oh, from really? scratch, and they did it in Sweden. Or do, do you know where it was shot? Budapest, Hungary. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and and the whole thing is like shot in the daytime, right, to capture that feel of mid midsummer. Yep. Correct. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, the production in this, the production design, the production quality, so much about this movie in that aspect, all the technical aspects are incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, on, on paper, this movie was like really well done, like amazing cinematography, yeah. directing, and all that stuff. So, yeah, he, he knows what he's doing when it comes to that. Yeah. Indeed. Um, there's not too much background info out there on this movie do you have anything else before we head into an ohio connection and move on to the plot and spoil everything uh just just on the cast i mean uh florence Pugh. is that is that how you say her name oh yeah yeah i forgot about the cast i think that's how you say it yeah i i mean she's like young but i, I thought she did an amazing job but um i think she's been uh you know pretty praised in other work that she's done are you familiar with her at all uh i am from malevolent Malevolent. She was what? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. She was the uh, 
the main character in Malevolent. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's an, he's a, a very forgettable movie. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, but as far as I remember, she did a fine job in it. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, and I think she's been on like some TV shows and stuff, and uh, she's uh, yeah, I, I was kind of impressed by her that she she was pretty good. Yeah, and she's going to be in the upcoming Black Widow movie with uh, oh. Scarlett Johansson, and an oh, upcoming cool. Little Women movie. Mm-hmm. Nice, alongside like Emma Watson, and I think what was it, Meryl Streep? I think was in that too. So. Oh, okay. She will be uh, blowing up. Yeah, yeah, definitely someone to watch. And uh, yeah. I like that guy, William Jackson Harper. Uh, he was in, uh, he's in the show The Good Place. You ever watch that one? I've seen a little little snippets of it. My wife watches it, and sometimes I walk in and sit down for a little while. Oh, okay, yeah. He's, he's a very similar character, like this really academic nerd kind of dude that he was in this one. Oh, yeah, right, right. They're pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really recognize anyone else. Um, Jack Rayner, who played Christian, looked familiar, but I don't know why. Mm, yeah, agreed. Just one of those faces. Standard yeah. college douchebag. Exactly. Yeah, they nailed that vibe pretty well. <laughs> they really did. Uh, yeah, no, that, that, that same here. I didn't really recognize anyone else. Cool. Um, nothing that great on my Ohio connection, except this dude named Jeffrey Lundgren, who's kind of a famous cult leader from Kirtland, Ohio. He was convicted of mass murder and executed in Ohio in 2006. Wow. Um, I how feel many like people... I brought him up in another episode, but maybe not. How many people uh, did he kill? I think it was only five. Oh, okay. In Ohio? Yep. Yeah. C- cults are fascinating. They're, they're still around, right? Like all over the place? What's all around? Cults? Yeah. I think so, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Why not? Was one. Yeah, I was wanting to go kind of find one, hang out with it for a bit. Um, I would be other... interesting. I would be interested to live in a commune for a little while. Yeah, I think cults get a bad rep. Like, it's probably like one percent of them where you're killing yourselves, but the other ninety nine percent, I'm sure, are like great like hangouts. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Uh, there's not a commune near me, but just down the road, there's like a communal living type space where people like take turns cooking food every night for everybody and stuff like oh, that. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I guess yeah. for it to be a cult, does it have to be like some kind of religious belief or some kind of like uh, cultural or tradition thing that you do? Yeah, I think to be donned a cult and not just a commune, yeah, you probably there probably needs to have be some aspect of religion. Mm. Okay. Pretty cool stuff. Okay, man. Um, got anything else or are we ready to move on? No, nah, let's get to it. Okay, well, let's hold, take a break for a quick second. I think I've got something stuck in my throat. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll be right back. Sure. Okay, man, I'm back. All right, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. It was just like a tiny, curly black hair in my drink. <laughs> yes, I've cleaned it. Kind of weird. <laughs> you know, it's it's weird, man. Your your laugh is sounding really sexy to me right now. <laughs> yeah, get ready for it, man. <laughs> tonight's, tonight's gonna be magical for you. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's... we're surrounded by a bunch of other naked people. Oh yeah, I'll bring my friends. Don't worry. <laughs> And in that good. in that commune from down your street, we're gonna come in there. That was, yeah, yeah, they're on the, they're on sex witness duty tonight. <laughs> yeah, but come pat your ass while you're going at it. <laughs> God, yeah, that that scene, uh, that, that yeah, that was that was crazy. Mix of emotions. There are some like really long stretches in this movie where not that much happens, and then they're just like a handful of set piece type things that are just pretty pretty awe-inspiring or, or remarkable notable yeah borderline. <laughs> say what you will about them that there's something yeah. to see yeah borderline kind of like absurd just uh, yeah. ridiculous yeah. yeah 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 depending on your take on it mm-hmm. um i think this might be i think most people seem to really like this movie but i think there are a few a few naysayers in the bunch and we'll find out which side we fall on pretty yeah. soon here i think likewise okay so, the plot of this movie, 
It all centers around our main character, Danny, who is played by Florence Pugh. She's a college student, maybe a grad student, wasn't totally sure. She's in a crappy relationship with her boyfriend, Christian, who's an anthropology grad student. She feels like she leans on him too much emotionally. Uh, She's got some anxiety issues and family issues. And he's actually about to break up with her because of it, because he just wants to be free of all this. She gets kind of a foreboding concerning cryptic email from her bipolar sister that has her concerned. And then she later gets a phone call and learns that her sister and her parents are dead from a murder-suicide committed by her sister. And this is actually one of the darker scenes in the film. Like, we're talking about Ari Aster going to really dark places. The stuff that really happens in Sweden wasn't crazy dark to me, but this this was pretty dark. Just we get a scene of her with the car situation. Yeah, that the whole scene where like a, a firefighter I think is like walking through the house and you see like it's filled with smoke and they all have like those tubes uh, connected from the gas or the, the muffler to their nose. That kind of yeah, that, that's like the probably the darkest scene in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, she basically kills her parents and herself with carbon monoxide poisoning by leaving the car running in the garage and opening the garage door. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the tubes too. I didn't know if there were tubes connected to her parents' mouths, but there was definitely one to her mouth. Oh, yeah, it was to her mouth. Yeah, and then the other one was, like, going into her parents' bedroom, right? Yeah, I think so, yep. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that was pretty dark, and then you get just a quick scene of Danny, like, wailing and crying in Christian's arms, which to me was very reminiscent of um, Tony Collette's performance in Hereditary. Yeah, right. Um, So... She's going through this tough time. Christian and his friends are going to go on a trip to rural Sweden to the hometown of one of their Swedish friends, uh, who's a student at the school as well. And the point of the trip is to witness a midsummer pagan ritual that happens once every 90 years. They're anthropology students, and one of them is doing a thesis on midsummer traditions. Danny kind of decides to join them. I think she's kind of half-ass invited by Christian, who assumes she'll say no. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get. I didn't get what what happened there. Did did she ask to go, or he asked? And because he was like, he's like, oh, hey guys, by the way, like I've asked her to come, but she's not going to come. But uh, but she did go, right? So he like kind of it was it was let slip or just came out in conversation in the bar that they're all going to Sweden, and she kind of gives them him this look like, um, you never told me you were going to Sweden, and I think they got in a little bit of a disagreement about it, and I think as part of the disagreement. He, he offered to have her come too, assuming she'd say no, and mm. she said yes. But she said yes, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's one though. You know, I think this scene and and the ones before where she's talking before she find, finds out about her parents, it kind of sets Danny up like how scared she is about losing this guy because like he's like all she has or something. And yeah. like even like when they get in that fight about like oh you didn't tell me you're going to Sweden he's like well I'm just going to leave it like we're just going to fight and and she's like no no like she kind of like takes the blame and just like does everything she can she's kind of like imprisoning herself in this relationship for some reason yeah and he's just a douche and uninteresting mm-hmm. yeah um so the assortment of characters here is Christian and Danny and then Christian's friends Mark who's just this horny douchey typical like vacation horror movie character there's josh who's a serious student who's doing his thesis on midsummer traditions so he's there like for academic purposes and pele i think his name was pronounced oh yeah that sounds right he's the swedish dude who is from this village that they're going to and he's the only one him and danny are the only two that seem like decent people yeah or that you like in any sense have any yeah. like ability for yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like, they're the most, like, plates each other. The other guys are kind of assholes. Right, yeah. Um, so they get there. They meet some other English people um, who are there as guests of Pele's brother who brought them along to witness this ceremony. Otherwise, it's all just the people from this isolated village. Um, things are a little strange at the village, but everything's fine. There's some tension, as we've already mentioned, with Danny and Christian. Christian's just an ass and they have a bad relationship. Um, Things are going fine until they're witnessing the first day of the ceremonies. Pele won't tell them what's going to happen. 
they see these two older people get up on top of this cliff about to pour, perform this ceremony and then they just drop they step off the cliff they each die by suicide by falling onto this cliff and hitting like a boulder underneath yeah <laughs> and this is a graphic scene yep the yeah. woman hits the rock and her face just splits in half mm-hmm and of course, like, uh, the camera, like, zooms into his, her face, like, splitting in half. Yeah. Yeah, it does not shy away from any of the gory details. hmm And then the guy, for some reason, jumps off, like, instead of diving, goes feet first and just breaks his leg pretty much off. And he's, like, sitting there wailing in pain. And then some of the villagers go over to him with this giant ceremonial wooden mallet and smash his face multiple times right they all take turns doing it i didn't know if like that was his family and it was custom for them to each get a whack in (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah that was pretty gross this reminded me a lot of hereditary too like the the type of gore and the stuff with the heads and the faces kind of coming off yep yeah my signature movie indeed very similar Mm mm-hmm and so everybody is like oh my god like what the fuck have we gotten into um, and the two English guests of Pele's brother especially are freaking out. And some of our main characters are, they don't seem quite as overwhelmed by it as maybe they should have been. Mm-hmm. They, they all have varying reactions from like complete shock to like, okay, we're in another culture and we just don't understand it. They're like about to leave. And then one of the villagers says like, I know this seems crazy, but it's how much crazier is it to like just let them rot or become unhappy or in illness or in a nursing home for the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. which i thought was an intriguing point that the movie could have made but they didn't they didn't really go anywhere with that yeah i mean that kind of convinced me that's to some degree like oh okay yeah i guess when you put it that way it's not that crazy (laughs) i think there's a lot of people who feel that way that just like i'd rather go out in an accident in my 70s or 80s then, like, spend my 90s in a bed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a group out there that would do that. Um, so, yeah, I guess that wasn't too crazy. But, yeah, it is interesting to see how, like, the people from uh, London reacted to it. Like, they got to get out of there right away. And how, like, uh, Danny and her crew, like, I feel like they weren't... Well, Danny, I think, was pretty visibly upset, right? Yeah, she was. Uh, but, yeah, her, her boyfriend, I think, like, he was more intrigued by it. And um, Josh, I think he was, like, kind of expecting it, right? Like he knew what was going to happen. Yeah, I'm not. I couldn't really tell. Yeah. Also, like this was supposed to be like the big crazy reveal, but they really telegraphed it, in my opinion. I, I pretty much saw it coming. How did? What about you? Yeah, it was kind of obvious. Like obviously, like when you see them standing at like the top of the rocks and stuff, you know what's coming. Yeah, and Pele is describing to them earlier about like the system of bunks and where everyone sleeps and. He's describing the different age groups, and the descriptions end at age 72. And someone's like, well, what happens at 72? And he, like, drags his finger across his neck and goes, like, yeah, the international symbol for dead. Right. (laughs) So it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. They kill the people at 72. Yeah. But I think when he does it at that point, like, you kind of think he's joking. And then. Yeah, maybe. But I I don't know. I, I, I felt like I saw it coming. Okay, yeah. I think there was, uh, that was a complaint I had with this movie. I felt a few, there were a few things that were pretty telegraphed. Nothing was too big of a surprise, in my opinion. Yeah, that, I, mean, I feel like generally with these uh, folk horror films, I mean, like, yeah, when you see Wicker Man, you've kind of seen this one, you know how things are going to progress in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. There's only so many th- different ways it could go. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, so, yeah, things, that throws everything off. Um and as as the second act of the movie is kind of unfolding, other things develop. Um, those English people who were really freaked out soon disappear. No one really knows where they went. Um, but we as the audience assume something horrible has happened to them. Um, it's also clear that one of the young women in the cult has a crush on Christian and is performing different love spell type stuff on him, most pom- prominently making love potions for him to eat slash drink that involve... Uh, <laughs> pubes and menstrual blood that was menstrual blood blood in in his drink yeah oh man gross they they telegraphed that one too by uh showing some art 
the camera was very prominently on some art that was like a sequence of events of a woman making a love potion with menstrual blood. Ah, I missed that. Okay. Which we should you should have been aware of due to the uh, witch bottles in The Love Witch. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, I forgot that was the tradition there. Yeah. Um, and so eventually things start to get even more dire when two the two buddies that came along on the trip, Josh and Mark, are murdered. Um, but as far as Christian and Danny know, they've only disappeared. Mark has peed on a sacred tree, and one of the villagers is all pissed at him, so... He, it looks like, gets his penis cut off. The camera wasn't super clear on that. Hmm. Ah, I, you're talking about like when they show his body later on? Yes. Well, so Josh sneaks off to take a picture of these holy texts that they've told him he cannot take a picture of. Hmm. And as he's in there, someone, a figure, comes into the room, and you can't see it very clearly, but it looks like there's a bunch of blood around the crotch of this person. Uh, then a person behind mm-hmm. Josh like hits him on the head with a mallet. He falls over, and you see Mark's all like weirdly swollen face looking down on him. You know what I think happened there is uh, someone um, shaved or, or actually cut Mark's face off and was wearing it, and uh, they, they were just standing there with Mark's face on their face. Because um, yeah, at the end, I think you see them like start to cut off people's faces. Uh, so. Oh. It, and, and that, that weird stuff that you're talking about around the crotch, sometimes when people get older, uh, they grow this hair in that region. <laughs> I, think, I think that's so it was a it was just a naked person with Mark's face. Okay, yeah. I, didn't, I did not catch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll that was one drawings. of the few scenes that happens at night. Right, yeah. Like the night of, uh, where it's still like kind of light, right? Um... I feel like maybe, uh, oh yeah, I guess it stays light for a long time. I felt like that scene was kind of dark because otherwise I would have, normally I can tell a naked man. <laughs> <laughs> from a man with when his I penis cut one. off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, from a clothed yeah. man with his penis cut off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I think that's what it was. And when I read it, when I was reading the plot, that that's what it uh, said, like, yeah, someone cut that guy's face off and was wearing it. And that's why he thought it was part. Okay, part-time. okay, I see. This happens, Danny and Christian are just like, assume maybe they like stole some of the like holy texts and ran off or like they saw Mark leave with a girl. So maybe he's just off having sex or something. Um, and then there is a sequence where Danny gets asked to participate in a dance competition. The winner of which, like the last person to remain standing will be crowned the May Queen. Um, and this was kind of a fun scene and the choreography was really cool. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite parts of this movie were when Danny seems to be kind of enjoying herself and like being accepted and feeling kind of at home in the cult. Yeah. Yep. So that was a little bit of what was happening here. Um, mm-hmm. And this then leads us to like one of two of the weirdest moments of this movie. So while she is doing all this, Christian is lured away by this woman who's been love potioning him to this hut where she's laying there naked awaiting him surrounded by other naked women from the village and he's having sex with her and all the women in the village are like chanting along to her sex noises yeah they're like moaning with her yeah <laughs> and then <laughs> which was very interesting and then like uh, are they like holding her hand and like patting his head while they're having sex yeah and then like shoving his butt yeah <laughs> yeah um, empathy kind of becomes a little bit of a theme with the cult's behavior. Yeah, and and I think that's like in contrast to what we saw early in the film with Danny and uh, Christian back in the states, like lack of empathy in like her own relationship and distance from her parents. And then this is like the polar opposite, where you have these people who like, uh, yeah, when you're having sex, they're like echoing you and they're they're there with you for everything. Right. Um, Danny gets crowned the May Queen and she's taken away to do some rituals on the crops or whatever the May Queen does, but she hears this going on in the hut, like all these women making these sex noises and she sneaks over and peeks in and sees what's going on. She vomits and is screaming and crying. She has anxiety, so she's probably freaking out more than a person typically would to this, Mm -hmm. to seeing, I mean, you don't want to see your significant other having sex with somebody, but. And with 10 people around um, them, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> it's pretty strange circumstances. She's this is also as you said like all she has left in terms of family. Mm-hmm. Um, but then these women of the village who have been with her on these May Queen festivities surround her and they're like freaking out with her and like breathing with her and it's kind of a really cathartic moment and they're really empathetic with her and it's it's kind of nice yeah yeah right you kind of see like she has like found uh, a group that like uh is empathizing with her and uh voicing like her like pains and frustrations yeah it it felt like very like sociable suddenly yeah and i think you can see her like starting to uh feel better or realizing like oh this is something different than i've ever had yeah yep mm-hmm. um after the uh sex that christian finishes having he freaks out runs into another hut and finds one of the english people like hung up and f- their bodies like partially flayed i think it's called a blood eagle position where they like separate the rib cage and make it look like a wings yeah that was gross that was pretty gory. Um, then he turns around and there's a villager there who blows the smoke into his face and he goes unconscious. Then we cut to kind of the main event of the ceremonies. Christian is sitting there. He's been told that he cannot speak or move because he's been drugged. And Danny is sitting there on a bit of a throne surrounded in flowers as the May Queen. And it's revealed that the main goal of the festivities is this ritual in which nine lives are sacrificed, four outsiders, four from the cult, uh, two from the cult are unnamed elders that it looked like have already been killed. I think those are the two that jumped off uh, the, the rocks, right? I thought that we saw them burned. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Earlier. So I didn't mm-hmm. know if this was two other people or what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Then they pick two volunteers from the cult, two people volunteer, and then Danny must choose between the remaining outsider, the other, the four outsiders were the two English people and the other two friends. She has to choose between the remaining outsider, who's Christian, who can't sit in there, can't speak or move, and a lottery pick from the cult. And she picks Christian. And he's stuffed into a disemboweled bear, placed into, like, ritualistic position with the other bodies that have died along the way. Some are in, like, clown costumes. And they're put into position in this big yellow pointy hut, and they are burned, uh, along with the two volunteers who are in there burned alive. Mm -hmm. Danny's watching this and is crying, and some of the other cult members are, like, making these woeful, sad noises along with her and with the guys inside who are burning to death. But at the end, she smiles just before the credits roll. And I think it's because she feels she's found her family and purged herself of this bad relationship with Christian. Yeah, quite an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, man? What's good? What's bad? Uh, so how, how long was this movie? Two and a half hours or so? It was, I, I don't remember the exact, but it's like 225 or 235. It's, it's real close to two and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, I, I think similar to Hereditary, this just felt uh, so slow and, like, heavy. And, I don't know, walking out of this movie, I just, like, hated myself. I hated Ari Aster. Uh, I was just like, you know, who, yeah, wh- why did I sit through this? And it was just such, like, an intense watch where everything moves, like, so slow and heavy. And and I realized, like, Hereditary was kind of like that, but you had this big payoff at the end. And I'm not sure this one had that and then, you know, kind of made the rest of it seem like, you know, you're just in muck the whole time. I, did, did you feel like that at all when you walked out? Yes and no. I do. In terms of the payoff, it wasn't that big of a payoff. Like, I suppose the big thing would be Danny choosing to have Christian die. Mm -hmm. But he's revealed himself more and more to be a not very good person, and she has to pick two people anyway, or she has to pick somebody anyway. Yeah. But also in this like huge climax, it's supposed to be just like this outrageous thing, this fire. The fire kills three people. Two of them we've never even met in the movie. Mm -hmm. Maybe we met one, but he's not a big deal at all. And one is Christian, who we never cared about because he's been an ass the whole time. Yeah. And he couldn't move or speak, so you don't see his reaction at all. Right. So it was just like, to me, this movie lacked emotional weight. Like, I know Mm -hmm. some people are calling it about, like, gut-wrenching, and it sounds like you maybe were kind of, like, 
depressed by it and stuff, I didn't really feel much at all because I didn't care about anybody except maybe Danny. Yeah, the, I, I, no, I agree with you. The rest of the characters are really throw away. Even like the way they killed uh, off the other characters, like they would just go missing. You didn't even give them really proper deaths. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not even sure like why half those guys were there. Was it just to like drive body count or something? But like exactly, yeah. man. That, that's mm-hmm. a beef with me too. And then like, so two of the people that die, yeah, we don't even see die. They just disappear. And then the other two, who are supposed to be kind of our main two of our main characters, they both die within the same minute of each other and there's really not that much suspense to it yeah yeah no there isn't uh, so it's just like in a two and a half hour movie you couldn't like carve out some time to make any of that stuff a bigger deal right yeah any of the deaths a bigger deal yeah that's true but then when you think about folk horror like wicker man how many people died in that one uh only one and maybe we yeah I don't know if we'll spoil that, but yeah, only one person dies. I, and I, the ending yeah. is very mm-hmm. climactic, emotionally. Yeah, because he's like screaming and like it's, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, uh, and it's a similar, okay. similar ending, but I think it hits a little harder. Yeah, well, I, I thought, I, you know, I, I saw this with with the, some friends and, and one was saying like, you know, when we walked out, they just felt like this was really repeating everything Wicked Man, nothing original. But it, it is kind of interesting that it is kind of repeating Wicked Man, but it's taking a whole different angle on like a different character in that same kind of setting. And like this idea of like a breakup going on within the context of this whole cult thing happening and this Wicked Man situation happening. So I thought that part was kind of innovative uh, to like just look at it from a different angle of someone being liberated versus focusing on the torture of the victims of these cults. I agree, but I feel like even though it may not have sounded like it if you didn't see this movie and just are listening to our episode on it, I don't think they spent enough time with Danny and her emotional journey, even though some of the big set pieces were around that. Mm-hmm. In a two and a half hour movie, it almost felt lost because so much time was spent on other things. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like, think about, like, the, the beginning. Uh, we see this traumatic event for her with her parents, and that's only, like, flashbacks maybe, like, two or three times throughout that whole two and a half hours, like, brief glimpses. So, yeah, for most of the movie, she's, yeah, you're not really uh, going on this, like, long journey with her, I guess. Um, she's kind of, like, I don't know. She has, like, a few breakdowns, but for the most part, she's pretty even, right? Yeah, yeah, I just... And that's her character is played like a little subdued, mm-hmm. um, even though she does like absolutely freak out at certain points. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just they don't hit that hard enough for some reason, or maybe it was because there was nobody else in the story that I could connect to. That yeah, it just felt I don't know. Well, yeah, and I think that's where like Hereditary was really good. Is you had a small cast and you're vested in each of the family members. And in this one, you don't have that. You just really have one character that you're trying to bank uh, all your emotional weight onto. Uh, but yeah, for the a lot of the movies, she's kind of um, you know straight lined. But yeah, with a few episodes here and there. But yeah, 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 yeah she's surrounded by very thin characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who yeah. don't do any favors to her character by you know allowing her to have any sort of like not exposition, but just discussion or, or, or expression of what she's going through. Like there's mm-hmm. very little of that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, uh, and it's kind of frustrating, like how shitty of a boyfriend uh, she has. Cause maybe if he, if their communication lines were open a little better, like we would have seen more of what she was going through, but the fact she didn't have like anyone to really communicate with, uh, you're right. Like we don't really see her journey. And I, I don't know. I kind of feel like they made Christian like, oh, like ultra shitty for some reason. Like he was just like the worst yeah. guy ever. Right, they had this whole subplot where he was essentially stealing Josh's thesis. He didn't decide on a thesis <laughs> until they got there, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm doing the same thing." Yeah, it was just like pretty extreme, and almost just like, "Do we really need this subplot?" Yeah, yeah. What? Are you, <laughs> why are you pulling us into like this academic uh, brawl going on here? That uh, that did feel yeah. And there was also a lot of like exposition about the cult and the way they worked, which. I don't think was that interesting, and I don't think we really needed to know it. Um, mm-hmm. They talk about a boy who's their oracle, who was inbred, the kind of, uh, it's a boy with facial differences. Mm-hmm. And he's featured in the preview, and he's on the cover of the latest Fangoria magazine, but he has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just see him, like, what, two or three times, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Unless there's some deeper thing going on there that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. No, I think it was you're just right. Like, yep. It's just like hard for me to believe that he couldn't have cut more time out of this movie with all the uh, 
all the fat. Yeah, that, that's the thing with the, uh, Ari Aster. I feel like he doesn't know uh, where to focus, and he just like gives himself like all the time in the world to make these like really long movies. And yeah, you, you lose the focus a bit. And and I, I, did, I did feel like this movie, what could have been maybe half an hour, an hour shorter, like it could have gone at maybe a little faster of a pace than the one it went at. For sure. For sure. And I will say some of that time was used, let's say, on like the dance competition scene or some of the rituals or the meals that the cult was having. Mm-hmm. And one thing I loved about the movie and that it's hard to deny, it was like the production design is incredible. Like the sets were meticulous, the costumes, yeah. the cinematography was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many stills. Like you could take still photographs or screen grabs of this movie mm-hmm. and show them to somebody and just be like, "Those are like beautiful." And I'm like very intrigued by this movie. I agree. It's um, it's almost like artwork almost. Uh, like every scene. Yeah, it's awesome. It really was like visual visual art in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like it was all kind of hanging on this really weak story. Yeah, of a breakup or something. Yeah. Uh, what did, What did you think about like the level of detail? Because I feel like of the two and a half hours, um, a good portion of it um, was just like watching uh, the cults like do like these ceremonial things, which sometimes involved people dying. Sometimes it just involved, uh, you know, hearing someone make a sound or gives a, give a speech or something. Uh, did you feel like that was all necessary? No, I think that's where they should have cut time. I, I think some of it was good, but it, there was too much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, honestly, Mark and uh, Josh's characters, mm-hmm. like, they, they just shouldn't have even been in the movie yeah. if their deaths were that. <laughs> I know. They, they were that thin of characters, and their deaths were just so quick. Yeah, yep. It was just, like, kind of a waste of time to have them. Or the English characters, like, those all should have combined and been combined. You could have reduced four characters down to one or two or yeah yeah who, zero who knows maybe maybe that's like going back to how it was supposed to be a slasher and uh maybe just starting from that premise uh i i do feel like those guys added value in adding like moments of uh levity earlier on and like you know there were some kind of comedic ridiculous moments brought on by those guys um and i, I don't think hereditary had much of that but yeah i i think i would have rather gone for like stronger characters than you know maybe like a few jokes here and there yeah, there were, and a lot of people are talking about that, there were some funny parts of this movie. I think a lot of it just came from the outrageousness of the situations. Like, one of the funniest parts was when Christian's having sex with that woman, and then one of the older women just comes down and, like, holds his hand and, like, gives <laughs> yeah. him an encouraging look. And yeah. he's just like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Some of the funnier things I've seen in a horror film. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. With, like, t- technically, like every, everything was out of, out of the park on this one. But yeah, story just felt like it was missing something. Yeah, agreed, agreed. It felt like a a very giant production to hang upon a pretty thin story. Yeah, yep. Agreed. It's it's um, like someone wrote like a PhD on like a very like it like took like a very yeah this basic story and then just like wrote like this huge epic piece of trying to make it like something more than what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard or he said he wrote the script like 4 years ago and didn't really have time to look at it again. I, I feel like it could have used some some honing. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um but I do think he I mean he's a talented filmmaker, that's for sure. I do think he needs to uh but you know, he's making exactly the kind of movie he wants to make and a lot of people are super into it, but I would I would love to see something from him that's a little a little less indulgent. Yeah, that's just his style, man. He's he's out there for himself and just making these like art horror films that are heavy in drama. I, I don't see him ever like kind of uh, you know bucking the trend or like trying to create something that's a little more mainstream or accessible or you know pleases the crowd more. He, he kind of just seems like he's in it for himself. Right, right, and I can respect that. It's just it's not always my cup of tea. Is even though I think I gave Hereditary a four. Yeah, there were large stretches in that movie where I was just like, I just want to leave. Yeah, I know. I know, yeah. It's kind of how I felt this whole time, too. Yeah. Uh, well, So what do you think, man? Zero to five uh, giant wooden mallets. What, <laughs> what do you give it? Uh, yeah, I've been all over the place, man. I, I walked out of this hating it. Then, like, the next day I was, I was stuck in my head all day, so I was like, ah, maybe it was good, and, you know, this is the interesting angle they're taking and, and well done. But I think after this conversation, I'd probably, like, settle around two and a half wooden mallets. Um, just for the technical, you know, did, did really well, but the story, not, not so amazing. 
Uh, what about you? Yeah, man, I, I, th- I've been all over the place too. I came home and gave it a two on Letterbox and like ranted about it into my my phone with my thumbs. <laughs> but um, but then I, I came to appreciate more things, and there is some emotional stuff there, like we talked about with the empathy um, from the cult that she's never had before. It's just not. Something about it doesn't land all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd be interested to watch it again and see how I feel. Yeah. But yeah, I've bounced around from two and three, but I think I'll land on 2.5 for our discussion. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, but no, I, I think you bring up a really good point because yeah, it does feel like a story all about like trying to connect with people. And I, I did appreciate like how he tackled that and showing the contrast between like modern life here and like how she's like on her phone trying to reach her parents and like with this in, in this relationship that she feels like so disconnected from. And then at the end, she's like embraced in this cult that's like murdering people, but she's fine with it. I, I, I did like that element or that kind of uh, uh, theme of the movie. I, I thought that was kind of cool to include. I do too. I, I just think I would like to see more attention given there. And he calls it a breakup movie, but it's almost like how effective can a breakup movie be when one of the one of the people in the couple is just like barely even a character? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like the shittiest character and barely there. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's I like agree. a blank slate. Yeah, pretty one sided. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, score was great too by an artist called Hexen Cloak, which I think I'm gonna check out just for some casual listening. Oh, cool. Even with Hereditary, he's uh, someone that you liked, right? Yeah, Colin Stetson. It, it's, I think he's called it, uh, or I heard somebody call it ambient dread music, and I, I kind of dig that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, f- it felt like a very similar uh, type of soundtrack, like very uh, organic and kind of like bright at moments. Uh, so it was good. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Anything else, man? No, no. It's a hard one to watch. Glad we watched it, though. Yeah, yeah. We had to see it. So that's all for our discussion on Midsommar. Uh, if you enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you think that we're horrible for reviewing this movie the way we did, let us know and maybe we'll read your disagreements on air. Um, so yeah, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps other people find our show. You can find our social links on our website, horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter and do some general discussion type stuff on Facebook and Twitter if you want to join us there. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. Check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're going on a trip to Sweden, uh, or maybe even if you're just hanging out with Ashvin, keep an eye on your drink. <laughs> I got a pocket full of pubes, man. They're coming for you. <laughs>